This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 1st. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, local woman arrested in hit and run, G is for government previews Telluride Town Council, the San Miguel Rodeo rides again, and a mountain weather forecast. But first... San Miguel County Search and Rescue assisted in a mission on Sunday to rescue a 44-year-old man injured while hiking on El Diente. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, Search and Rescue used their new H-125 helicopter to locate the man. They notified Dolores County officials who completed the mission using a federal helicopter crew out of Mesa Verde. A 30-year-old Telluride woman was arrested over the weekend on charges of vehicular assault and leaving the scene of an accident, resulting in serious bodily injury. Scout A. Choate was taken into custody by the Telluride Marshals Department on Sunday, July 31st, after she allegedly hit a person with a car on Main Street and fled the scene. Choate was taken to the San Miguel County Jail. Webcam footage of the street at the time of the incident shows a car striking an individual, reversing and turning around before speeding down the street in the opposite direction. According to Marshall's department officials, deputies responded to 911 calls from witnesses describing a hit and run on Saturday night. Deputies observed the victim lying in the street surrounded by witnesses. Choate was arrested Sunday morning driving along the spur. The victim was transported to the Telluride Regional Medical Center for care and was later released. Telluride Town Council is back on Tuesday for its regularly scheduled meeting with short-term rentals and town goals and objectives on the docket. This week also features a dash of affordable housing. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette previews what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for joining me for another installment of G is for Government. No problem. So, Telluride Town Council is back on Tuesday for y'all's regularly scheduled meeting. And it seems like it's a pretty like chill and straightforward meeting, knock on wood. So, can you um, let us know what the work sessions in the morning are going to look at? Yeah, I actually think we have two pretty interesting work sessions. Um, our first one at 10 o'clock is the short-term rental ownership structure and exceptions update. Um as most people know who've been sort of following along, we have had a lot of discussions about short-term rental um, regulations and caps and limits and exceptions to those limits and, and that sort of thing over the last couple years. Um, specifically, last fall, we had a new law that we've all been sort of figuring out um, where to go from there. So our clerk's department is going to be presenting some data to us uh, that has been collected this year about ownership. Um, so we are going to get some um, data on that as well as um, perhaps uh, discuss some a study to implement um, and see what other kind of information we want to learn about the STR market in town. Um, and then after that, we have the 2022 goals and objectives update um, with our town manager, Scott Robson. 
during budget season, the town council will lay out what our goals and objectives are going to be for the following year. Um, and, you know, add things to the list, take things off the list, but we're trying to uh, revisit this list more frequently and give uh, the town and ourselves an update on where all of these different goals and objectives are. So it will include updates on um, our pursuing of affordable housing opportunities, as well as promoting diversity, equity, and, and inclusion um, within our organization, as, with, as well as within the town. Um, our land use planning um, updates that have occurred this year so far, uh, trying to provide consistent outreach to the public um, and improve our communication, uh, environmental action plan, um, et cetera, et cetera. So for people who are interested in sort of what the town of Telluride does um, and what town council does, this would be a really good hour to listen in and see sort of what our goals have been and our progress on those goals for this year. As we mentioned, those are kind of the maybe the big ticket items for the day. Is there anything in the afternoon that you think folks would be interested tuning in for? You know, we will be appointing some, um, hopefully a couple people to boards and commissions. Uh, We still have quite a few vacancies on some boards and commissions. So if you've ever thought about participating on one of these um, boards, it's a really cool way to get involved in the community um, and in local government. We will um, be hearing uh, a resolution about some new rules to our construction mitigation plan manual um, for construction projects that are going on around town. We have a couple mid-year budget amendments, but I think um, I think the morning is going to be where the action's at, and I hope. I hope people tune in to sort of hear what what we've been up to this summer. Well, and then, you know, kind of actually jumping away from the um, meeting on Tuesday itself, Town Council, or rather the Telluride Housing Authority Subcommittee, is inviting folks to a meeting on Wednesday, on August 3rd. I mean, obviously, folks are always invited to the meetings, but we're really encouraging people to show up for this one. What is that meeting going to talk about? We put out an RFP and we hired a consulting firm to come into town, um, and they are going to do a site walk with us on Wednesday morning at uh, Shandoka. And the idea is for them to get feedback from the community, walk the site, talk to the THA subcommittee, and discuss sort of what our options and what the um, feasibility is for building a large parking structure on the Shandoka parking lot that includes affordable housing wrapped around the, the parking structure, as well as some transit-oriented commercial space. And um, it's really important when we are talking about a big, impactful project like this that we get input from everyone um, in town, but especially people who live in that area and know the area well. Um, So we will have a site walk at 9 in the morning where we will, you know, get boots on the ground. Um, We'll be meeting at 9 o'clock at the old bus turnaround um, at Shandoka, and then we'll go back to the Rebecca Hall Chambers um, for a sort of kickoff meeting um, and a debrief. And then that evening, which is where we expect more people will be able to attend who are working during the day, we will have another meeting um, at 6 p.m. at Rebecca Hall. It will be on Zoom, or you can come in person, and it'll be an opportunity for the consulting firm to present to us um, the basics of the conceptual um, options and 
engage in a dialogue and back and forth with members of the public and with the committees. Well, Geneva, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes and we'll see you um, on Zoom or in person for some folks on Tuesday and then also on Wednesday. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Building on a long tradition of horse handling and ranching, the San Miguel Basin Rodeo came through Norwood this weekend for its 117th year. While crowds traveled from across the county, rodeo competitors and workers came from all over the West. With an audio postcard of the event, we have KOTO's Gavin McGough. Down beside the grandstands at the San Miguel Basin Rodeo, Cowgirls competing in Saturday evening's barrel race are awaiting their turn to sprint around the ring. In a test of horse handling and athletic power, the steed and rider race in a cloverleaf pattern around four barrels set up in the arena. Coming out of her turn in the ring, Harley Zender, a cowgirl from Norwood, is unfazed by what she says was a lackluster result. It wasn't my best year, but sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite event of the year. Everybody shows up and has a great time. They love watching the rodeo, and it's, it's fun just getting to see all your family and friends. And um, yeah, it's just a super fun event. I ask another competitor, Taylor Hildreth, the secret to a good barrel race. Ooh, I wish we all knew the answer to that. <laughs> I train barrel horses for a living and I'm still trying to figure that out. But I think the biggest thing is having one that has a lot of try and heart, wants to be a team player. Harley Zender agrees that much of the magic comes from the spirit of the horse. She's riding a speckled gray mare. My horse's name is Penny and um, she's super gritty and tough and she loves to work. Cool. So. All right, thank you so much. Back in the grandstand, the sun setting and clouds towering above the Norwood Mesa, the final event of the weekend kicks off. One of rodeo's iconic competitions, it's bull riding. The animals, weighing in at a ton apiece, rip out of the gates as cowboys hold on for life. The event is tooth biting, eight seconds of danger and suspense. In the ring right beside the bull and the cowboy, rodeo workers are face-to-face with the action. After the event, the cowboy protection team Edward Huffman and Devin Cisneros share what it's like to work face-to-face with such danger. Breathing helps big time. Adrenaline. Adrenaline's huge. I mean, it's just such an adrenaline rush. But to keep your cool while, while it's happening and you're in a situation is pretty much turn your brain off. Don't let it tell you that that you can't. Yeah, just react. A far cry from the driven and well-groomed mares of the barrel race, the bulls have a personality of their own. Uh, when I stopped riding bulls, that was like right after eighth grade, so then I just started, I just picked up fighting bulls right there. So did you have to grow up really comfortable around animals? Yeah. Do you feel like you understand what's going on in their head? Sometimes. Sometimes not. They have a different mind. Yeah. They, they show one thing or thinking another. Yeah, they're smart. They're smart animals, that's for sure. After Saturday night, the fairgrounds fall silent for another year. The rodeo company, however, bulls and all, move on to their next competition of the season. Cisnero says that he's already excited for the next one. Oh, it's phenomenal. First time fighting with Ed, and man, I can't look forward to the next time we get to do it again. From the San Miguel County Fairground, 
For KOTO, this is Gavin McGough. Taking a trip to Norwood or Rico? August is the month to do it. The San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is giving free rides on all its routes for the month of August. SMART is partnering with the state in a Zero Fare for Better Air campaign. The program is supported by a grant from the Colorado Energy Office. For the month of August, SMART will provide free service to Norwood, Rico, and Down Valley. Routes to Lawson Hill will, of course, remain free. Poetry deserves to live on a speaker's tongue and in the ears of a rapt audience. This month, the Telluride Institute's Talking Gourd Poetry Program is coming back with an in-person Walking Talking Gourds Poetry Night. This month's event will feature two headlining poets. Claudia Putnam lives in Glenwood Springs. Her debut collection, The Land of Stone and River, won the Moon City Poetry Prize. She has also published a short memoir, Double Negative. Putnam is a George Bennett Fellow at the Phillips Exeter Academy. Melissa Studdard is an author five times over, including books of poetry, I Ate the Cosmos for Breakfast, Like a Bird with a Thousand Wings, and Dear Selection Committee. Her work has been featured on NPR, PBS, The New York Times, and The Guardian. Walking Talking Gourds will take place on Thursday, August 4th at 5.30 p.m. at the Transfer Warehouse. The event is free and open to the public. Attendees are also encouraged to bring their own work of poetry to share. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because it didn't have a wildlife overpass. Wildlife in Colorado now won't have to face such a treacherous journey with a new overpass and underpass in the southwest part of the state. The Colorado Department of Transportation recently unveiled a wildlife overpass on Highway 160 outside of Durango to help protect wildlife and create a safer travel environment for motorists. According to CDOT, more than 60% of crashes on the stretch of road are due to wildlife vehicle collisions. Officials expect the overpass will reduce that number of crashes by 85%. To date, CDOT has built more than 60 wildlife highway crossings across the state. The human-caused climate crisis has been the cause of rapidly rising temperatures throughout the West and drought conditions and lower stream flows in rivers and creeks in Colorado. And the Roaring Fork Valley is no exception. These rapidly changing conditions are impacting our natural environment, from the largest organisms in the ecosystem to the very smallest. And some of those smaller creatures, including boreal toads in the Maroon Bell Snowmass Wilderness, are facing big problems. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Caroline Yanis went out with Forest Service biologists this summer to see the toads where they spawn their tadpoles before they spread out into the wilderness. If you want to find boreal toads in the Maroon Bell Snowmass Wilderness, you're not going to take the most popular trails up to Crater Lake or to Conundrum Hot Springs. Instead, you'll head up through the East Maroon Wilderness Portal, below Maroon Lake, and take the trail that runs up East Maroon Creek. But you're not going to find toads in the creek itself, as they prefer still water. The ideal toad habitat is ponds created by old beaver dams, particularly in the shallow areas. 
Not only will you have to be at the right place, you'll also have to be there at the right time. Early June is the perfect time to look for toads in the Maroon Bells Wilderness, because you'll be able to find them in a few specific places. The places where they spend their winters and have their tadpoles. And where do they go when summer heats up? They disperse into the upland. You know, it's highly likely they'll go up and down these riparian corridors, but that dispersal is what makes for a meta population, you know, a population of populations. And so you need some to stray off to no man's land because that's how they populate their landscape. That was Clay Ramey, a fisheries biologist for the U.S. Forest Service. I went out with Ramey, Samantha Alford, a seasonal forest service worker, and Reed Patterson, a student with Colorado Mesa University, to catch some toads and get some information about them before they disperse into the hundreds of thousands of acres in the wilderness. This check-in is also crucial to establishing the health of the toad population in the Maroon Bells wilderness. Last summer, some of these toads were discovered to have a potentially deadly fungus. Batractiochytrium dendrobatidus, and it's most often referred to as BD. That was Jen Logan, the native aquatic species biologist for Colorado Parks and Wildlife's Northwest region. She says BD is a problem for amphibians worldwide, but it's only recently become an issue for toads in the Maroon Bells wilderness. It impacts amphibians by infecting the keratin and skin, and it basically disrupts like osmoregulation. It causes a thickening of the skin, and eventually this kind of leads to heart failure and potentially death. It's highly contagious and spread with minimal contact. So today, we're being extra careful with the toads we find in the beaver ponds along East Maroon Creek. Each toad is handled with a different pair of gloves and a different plastic baggie to get its measurements. Samantha Alford measures the toads from their snouts to their rear ends, or vents. Uh, what do you say, 5'4"? 54 millimeters. And then she weighs them. Approximately 24 grams. Okay. To weigh the toads, they get put in a plastic baggie, which is then hooked onto a scale. It's an undignified process for the toads, who frequently try to escape. Your man's out. Thank you. Each toad also gets a photo taken of its belly, and some are more photogenic than others. Damn it. I didn't mean to throw you. Would you just walk through for a photo, please? It's like the hardest part is holding these guys for a photo. Boreal toads have distinctive black and white markings on their bellies, like a fingerprint or a QR code. It's how researchers at the Forest Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife can identify individual toads. And then they get their belly swabbed for the chytrid fungus. It's 20 swabs on the belly and five on each of their back feet and webbing. The swabs will get sent to a lab to identify whether any of the toads are infected with BD. The fungus was identified in some Maroon Bells toads last year, and researchers are hoping it hasn't spread to all of the recorded spawning sites. Some toads are more cooperative than others when it comes to swabbing. I am the toad whisperer. They're quiet in my hands. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they heard ya. It's during the process that we find out the sex of the toads. That squeaking sound you just heard was a male toad expressing itself. While female toads don't make much noise, males make a very distinctive squeaking, something often triggered by belly rubs.
It's been a banner toad hunting day. Eight adult toads, plus dozens of juvenile toads no bigger than a thumbnail, and thousands of tadpoles. But the toad abundance is not the only thing getting noticed. It's really dry. Like summer flow. Like September water level. Huh? This looks like the September water level. Yeah. Like species and ecosystems throughout the western United States, boreal toads are facing the impacts of years of severe drought. Stream flows in the Roaring Fork Valley peaked early this year. That means the beaver ponds that toads call home during the winter and use to spawn their tadpoles aren't seeing as much water from the rivers and streams that feed them. Ramey points out one of the warm, shallow pools currently inhabited by hundreds of little black tadpoles. Let's see how already, like, this little pothole isn't even wet to the perimeter. Like, it's, it's already half empty. So we're starting the summer on June 6th, and it's half, half empty already. So if these little things dry up before these little tadpoles metamorphose, it's bad news for them. That's a huge hit to toads in the wilderness if they don't have enough time for their tadpoles to metamorphose into toadlets. It could also mean reduced habitat for adult toads as well. Jen Logan with CPW says drought is only one piece of it. She says the warmer temperatures we're seeing throughout our region could also make prime toad territory attractive to other amphibian species from lower elevations, like forest frogs and tiger salamanders. That can lead to competition, predation, and potentially disease spread. And they do coexist with toads in some areas, less frequently, I'd say, in the Marine Bells than other places. But they do increase the odds of a toad population becoming infected with BD as they move up, you know, in elevation and into toad habitat. And the health of toads in the Maroon Bells wilderness is critical. Toads are toads, of course. But Logan says they're also canaries in the coal mine. As a amphibian, you know, they're well known for being indicators of ecosystem health. They're both terrestrial and aquatic, so they sort of experience life in both worlds, which are also important to the overall health of the environment is that connection between water and land. That means keeping an eye on this boreal toad population is incredibly important, and the folks who monitor them need as much information as they can get. From surveys like the one Ramey and the Forest Service did in June, and from citizen scientists. If you're out in the wilderness and you spot a toad, don't try to pick it up and rub its belly to hear that magical toad song for yourself. But do feel free to call the Forest Service or Colorado Parks and Wildlife and let them know where you saw it. Not exactly the roar of a lion, but you know. This guy's got the gift to gab, I don't know. Sure. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 55 degrees. Tuesday, there's a chance of showers and thunderstorms with mostly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is around 70 degrees with a low in the mid-50s. Wednesday, expect mostly sunny skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is near 75 degrees. Wednesday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a low in the mid-50s. This has been the news for Monday, August 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary.
Join us on Wednesday and Thursday night this week as spectacular sunsets light up the Wilson Range and music fills the air of the Sunset Plaza in Mountain Village. The Sunset Music Series, in its 22nd season, is one of the region's great summer traditions. On August 3rd, Cody Hibbard brings his Adair, Oklahoma Country Sounds to the Sunset Stage. Hibbard is not to be missed in one of the rising stars on the Texas country music scene. Get ready to dance on August 4th with our regional music feature with Cali 66. Hailing from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Cali 66 brings their contemporary salsa music to the mountain village. Attendance is free of charge. Dine-in and to-go meals are available for purchase from many Mountain Village restaurants. Alcoholic beverages purchased from Mountain Village restaurants can be enjoyed in the common consumption area. The show starts at 6 p.m. on the lawn near Lift One in the Sunset Plaza of Mountain Village, and it's held rain or shine. Presented by the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association and supporting sponsors. Check the full lineup at sunsetmusicseries.com and connect with the Sunset Music Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.